Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Gideon and, and Moses. There's some similarities between their calls. God comes to them, appears to them, and they both feel they're inadequate. In fact, any person with any amount of self-knowledge will recognize their inadequacies because God never calls us to do something that we could just do in our own strength. He always calls us to do something that's beyond us so that we'd have to trust, so that we'd have to recognize that unless God did it, it wouldn't get done. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see You're changing our lives, so we can be our hands and feet Have you ever noticed that there are many similarities between the men and women God chose to use? Today, Pastor Ed will be explaining how both Moses and Gideon both felt extremely inadequate when God called them to complete a mission for him. God always chooses those that are humble and contrite because He knows they will depend on Him for strength and give Him glory. If you think you're capable in your own strength, then the chances are God will either humble you or not use you. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Attaches the consequence to sin, and they're tied together. I know, I know. We're like the Israelites. It's so hard for us to connect cause and event, cause and the consequence. It's so hard for us to see the result of why we're suffering, as it was with them. But but God sends the prophet to correct them, to remind them that their sins are a result of their actions, cause and effect. I read about how farmers at one time used to teach their dogs, their dogs not to kill the chickens, because sometimes the dog would have a desire to kill the chickens. It would get into their blood, and, and, and uh, they would ravage the, the chickens. And so what a farmer would do is he would take the dead carcass of a chicken, tie it around the dog's neck securely, and leave it there. And so that dog would carry around with it the carcass of that dead chicken. The smell, the odor, the decaying body. Until the dog came sick of the smell and lost the taste for the chicken. Sometimes around our necks, are tied the consequence of our sins until we hate the smell of it and we're broken from the habit of it. And so that's what God is doing to the Midianites. That's what he's doing in the life of Israel. Our correction is always marked by God's grace. It's his gracious hand that he reaches down to us to help us. Now, God is going to raise up a method of deliverance, a way of help, a way of escape. He's going to raise up a man by the name of Gideon, and he gives this call to Gideon. The call of grace. Our call comes through grace. In the New Living Translation, it tells us that there Gideon is, and he's working in the wine press. 
and he's trying to uh, separate the wheat from the chaff, and that's not the place to do it. You want to go on the top of the hill to do that, where the wind will blow and the chaff and the wheat will be separated. But there he is hiding at the wipers because he doesn't want the Midianites to see him lest they take the harvest that he had produced and worked so hard for. And so there he is, and suddenly an angel comes, the angel of the Lord. And this is truly a theophany. It's the only time that any of the judges had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. We believe that the theophany was Jesus Christ appearing in the Old Testament. And here he is appearing to Gideon. And he calls him. Now, I like the, the words of St. Augustine who said, For grace is given not because we have done good works, but in order that we may be able to do them. With God's call upon our individual lives comes God's plan and purpose for our lives. Our response to his call means we will fulfill the good purposes and plans that he has recorded in his book that each one of our days are to live out. And so God comes to this man Gideon and there is a revelation that he has. In verse 14, you see this revelation. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Wow, first he calls him a mighty man of valor. Now now Gideon might have looked around and said, who's he talking about? I mean, no one would have thought that Gideon would have been the person to lead an army against the Midianites. He himself would not have. But this revelation comes to him. Gideon, I've chosen you for a very specific task. Now, his heart is filled with fear. And you see it in the narrative. But God's going to change that. See, God's going to transform that. And notice what the text says. Go in the strength you have. Well, I have very little strength, you say. Well, go in it and watch. He gained strength. He gained power. As that anointing comes and rests on you. And so what's happening in, in the life of Gideon, he, he hears a word from God, go in the strength that you have. And see, what happens is this, to answer the call means to be transformed by the call. You're gonna see Gideon turn into a man of valor and strength. You're gonna see God's word to him become a prophecy of him. And see, that's what God does in people's lives. He he speaks to us, not as we are, but as he wants us to be, as he called us to be, as only he could make us be. For he truly is the potter, and we are the clay. And if we say yes to his will and yes to his way, he'll do in us what we could never do for ourselves. He'll make us what we could never make ourselves. And that's what's happening in Gideon's life. You see, this change... There's a response. You, you, you take note of the revelation that God gives him. And, and then, like Moses, like others, he responds. In verse 13 and 15, you see the response. But Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why? Isn't that a question we often ask? Why has this happened to us? Well, Gideon, didn't you hear what the prophet had to say? Gideon, didn't you read what it says in Deuteronomy? And Moses warned the people that if they turned from God, God would send the enemy. 
to discipline them, to correct them, to chastise them? Can't you connect the dots? But what happened in Gideon happens in our time as well. It's so difficult for us to understand the cultural sins that are a part of our society. Sin brings with it not only bondage, but blindness. We can't see the cause and the effect. See, sin has a way of blinding people so they can't connect the dots. Sometimes a counselor who's working with individuals or couples tries to help them see that maybe their problems have something to do with their actions. And they tell you in counseling, don't tell the person, let them discover it. And sometimes it takes years for that. (laughs) But God is cutting to the chase and, and he gives a word, but somehow that word went over Gideon's head. He didn't remember it, he didn't hear it in his heart. And so he says, why? Why are things the way they are? And then he asks himself another question, where? Where are the wonders our fathers told us about? I mean, we heard about Moses and we heard about uh, the Red Sea and we heard about the plagues. But you know how quickly we forget what God has done. Gideon, don't you remember Deborah and Barak, the song of deliverance? It's in the previous chapter. Don't you remember what God did for a farmer named Shamgar who he used to deliver the Israelites? Don't you remember that man with that handicap, Ehud? Uh, Don't you remember, Nathaniel? Don't you remember God's deliverance? But very often we quickly forget unless you consciously make an effort to remember what God has done you will slip into unbelief and you'll quickly forget the answers to prayer. And that's what's happening. Gideon along with the whole community has forgotten. And then he asked another question, how? I could understand that question. Moses asked it. Moses said, I'm a stutterer, I can't speak. Send my brother. God said, who made the tongue? Gideon and and Moses, there's some similarities between their calls. God comes to them, appears to them, and they both feel they're inadequate. In fact, any person with any amount of self-knowledge will recognize their inadequacies because God never calls us to do something that we could just do in our own strength. He always calls us to do something that's beyond us so that we'd have to trust, so that we'd have to recognize that unless God did it, it wouldn't get done. Unless God was in it, it wouldn't happen. And so God calls Gideon at this moment, Gideon, here, here's the answer. Your weakness is my very reason I'm calling you. God delights in using the weaknesses of man, so that the strength of God can be seen. And so here's God's response. Simple, clear, and several times this is repeated in the text. Here it is. I will be with you. Remember Moses said, Lord, we're not going up there unless you come up with us. God, we're not going up there unless you're with us. See, that's the question that a church has to answer. God, if you're with us, we can do it. That's the question that ministry leaders have to answer. God, if you're in it, you're, we're going for it. See, if God is with us, that's our strength, that's our victory, that's our power, that's our ability, God's presence. It was... Um, January 1956, a barrage of phone calls had come in, threatening, 
30, 40 a day. Negative. And there, one hateful call came in, and Martin couldn't sleep. His daughter, his wife were asleep. He gets up in the middle of the night, drinks some coffee, and turns to God. And he has an encounter that stays with him all of his life, that marks him in all the years ahead, that propels him to make and be a catalyst for the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King Jr. This is what he said. And I don't know if you ever read some of his sermons or heard his preaching. He knew the Lord. He said, I heard the voice of Jesus saying, still fight on. King later recalled, he he promised, and he said this, never to leave me, never to leave me alone. He promised never, never to leave me alone. And that threatening call that was like a recorder in his mind was erased by that word of promise. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always. And God says to Gideon, Gideon, I'm with you. And God says to Martin Luther King Jr., I'm with you to accomplish this in the United States of America. See, when God is with us, amazing things happen. Gideon wasn't a perfect man. Ehud wasn't a perfect man. Nathaniel wasn't a perfect man. Shamgar wasn't a perfect man. Barak wasn't a perfect man. Samson wasn't a perfect man, but when God is in something, you can know that you know that you know that you know it will come to pass, and that's what's happening in Gideon's life. God is saying, I'm with you, and that's all that really matters. I'm with you. There may be many against you. The circumstances may be against you. Your limitations may be against you, but if I'm with you, you'll have victory. God promises him. Reading in the book of Hebrews, going through the chapter of the heroes of faith, you come across a list of names, uh, one after another. Uh, Gideon's in that list. In the 11th chapter, verses 32 to 34, it mentions some of their exploits, but in this particular passage of scripture, It jumped out at me as I read. This is Gideon. Let me read a portion of it to you. The author of Hebrews says, I do not have time to tell about Gideon. And then it goes on. Later on in the 34th verse, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in the battle and routed foreign armies. Weakness changed into strength. God, there's a fearful man, but God said, you'll be a man of courage and valor. You just listen to my call. There's a weak man, but he's gonna be a strong man. His faith is going to inspire an army of 300 men to chase a vast army far bigger and far better equipped than he is because he trusts in the Lord. Hudson Taylor, who interviewed scores of men and women going to the mission field, made this observation. He said, of all God's great men, all of God's great men have been weak men who have done great things for God because they reckoned on his being with them. They counted on his faithfulness. That's what it is. He is with me. See, Grace is love that cares, that stoops 
down. God stoops down to rescue a rebellious people. God stoops down to rescue a people that have gone their own way. He stoops down and rescues them. And he chooses Gideon. I see a hand. There's one, there's one, there's one. Some who are saying, Lord, I'm ready to be used by you. God, I sense it in my heart. I want to do something for you. I feel the spirit of God stirring me. Uh, Don't let that stirring stop. Raise that spiritual hand and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Not because you're qualified in yourself. Not because you have your own abilities. But because... God is a great God, greater than your weaknesses, greater than your frailties, greater than all the obstacles you face. Now, whenever God's grace comes to us, it creates a responsibility in us, a response that we have to God, our responsibility to God's grace. Here it is. Gideon has this experience with God. He feels like he's going to die. And you know, when you get in the presence of God, sometimes you feel that way. His awesome holiness. Isaiah says, whoa, am I? Daniel falls before the Lord. John the apostle in the book of Revelation falls before God, before God like a dead man. And God says something to him, okay. Our responsibility to his grace, he says, the same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, The one of seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, cut down the asteroid pole beside it, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the asteroid pole that you cut down, offer the second bowl as burnt offering. Uh, Notice what he's saying here. Catch it. Tear down. He's saying, Gideon, go home. Your father, Joash, in the backyard, He has an altar, and it's erected to Baal. And there's an asterisk pole that's uh, the female counterpart of Baal. And go there. You take that down. You break that down. Now, he's going against the head of the clan, his own father. He he knows that's not going to be well-received. And there are servants in his house. He's a man of means, Gideon. Ten servants. And he takes them at night. He knows if the people in the community know and find out that they're ready to take his life. (laughs) He'll be taken and they'll just, they'll hang him. And so Gideon goes at night and he tears the old altar to Baal down. See, you have to tear some things down before you can build some things up. You have to tear down those thoughts that rise up against God and his ways and his will. You have to tear some things down in your life that hinder your relationship with God, uh, that keep you from running the race and walking in obedience to God. See, there's some things you may have to tear out of your heart. That hurts. There's some things you must tear out of your life. And he said, tear down the altar. There's some altars, things in our home, things in our hearts, things in our lives that we simply have to say, oh God, speak and I'll listen. Tear down those things. It's going to cost him something. There's a small mission church in Antonio. It was called the Alamo. Remember the story? 1836. Texas declares it's free from Mexico. They send an army of 3,000 men, and there in this small mission, the Alamo, 
the Colonel, Colonel W.V. Travis has a choice. He can flee, he could surrender, or he can fight. So he takes his sword, he draws a line in the dirt, and um, he said to step across it means certain death. And he challenged those with him to step across it. That's what Gideon was doing. God was saying, tear it down. Get rid of it. Deal with it. And so it, it means sometimes death to self. Death to our own will and our own ways. And God says, tear it down. And Dorothy Sayers said, grace abounds only when there is genuine repentance and we cannot simultaneously will sin and repentance since this involves a contradiction in terms. True, deep repentance. Gideon, mm, tear it down. And he does. And the next morning they're ready to lynch him. They're ready to kill him. But his own father defends him. God can defend you. God can protect you. God can keep you. And he does so in Gideon's life. There Gideon is. And now he's ready to build up. See, you can't build up unless you tear down. Unless you have a good foundation, you can't build up. And now he's ready to build an altar. On that altar, I, I think it's going to be after the model of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Present your bodies a living sacrifice to God. So, oh Lord, here I am. All that I have and all that I am, I present myself daily as a living sacrifice to you. There on that altar, it's an altar of devotion to God and he's going to build up that altar and the spirit of God is going to come upon him and he's going to lead an army to free the Jewish people once again from oppression. I was reading the story about Gary Huggin. Gary Huggin had a very secure job working for the U.S. Department of Justice and he saw the tragedy of the sex trade and trafficking and God began to stir his heart and he talked about it for three years. And he was afraid to leave the secure job. What would happen to his family? What would happen to his, what resources would he have? And so he went to a um, person in charge. He said, could I have a, a year off? And uh, the guy said, no. And he said, I thought at that moment, I don't want to say when I'm an old man, I didn't risk it. I didn't obey the Lord because I was afraid. And so he made the choice, and he started International Justice Mission, which is involved in the ministry of, of helping people that are caught in that terrible trade. If God could take a young 18-year-old who was completely spiritually dull and change him and remake him and form a man that would form a college and a church and become a world evangelist, D.L. Moody, if God could take a man with a passion for social justice and help him overcome the fears and all of the opposition and say to him, my presence is all you need, that's enough. If God can take Gideon, if you'll draw the line and you'll step over it and say, here I am, Lord. I die to self so I might live for you. The journey of answering the call and responding to God's grace will forever change you. Will you? 
Throughout the history of the nation of Israel, there have been various forms of leadership. From the creator of heaven and earth, to kings, to judges. The book of Judges details the time when God chose judges like Othniel and Deborah to make right ruling in Israel. Join us each day as Pastor Ed shares with us verse by verse from the book of Judges. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Visiting the website will also help you stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Judges. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.